0: Welcome to Thrill Bitcoin. Welcome to Thrill a Bitcoin. the Bitcoin community to understand that there's actually really good people like running and like want to change things here in Austin. I mean, what made, what made
1: you want to run for
0: the city council?
1: So what made me want to run for city council was I moved from California. I mean, I've been in Texas for 11 years. So I've bounced back and forth from California to back to Texas uh, twice. And what made me move from California the second time was just the one massive and homeless encampments everywhere. The amount of crime that was going on in the area. I mean, there's literally free uh, freeway shootouts going on in, my, really? in the city that I was, I was living in Concord, uh, which wow. is not that far from Oakland. That has a lot of crime. Wow. Um, the high taxes. I was nearly paying like $4 in a gallon of gas when I was living in California. So it was just way too expensive. And, I, I was wow. running a solar company and my wife was running her own windshield repair company contracted with dozens of dealerships. We're wow. both, we both making six figures in California, living paycheck to paycheck. Really dude. Yeah. And so I, I knew, we knew we weren't going to live in California for the rest of our life. And so I let my wife pick three States that she'd want to move to. And she, she did this. She manipulated the choices on purpose because she knew I'd pick one state, which was Texas. She loved Austin. i I've, I've Passed through Austin multiple times when I was stationed in El Paso. I'd drive to clean and visit my high school buddy that was stationed oh, cool. yeah. at Fort Hood. Yeah. So I'd pass through Austin all the time because Colleen's like a big like hub for the military, right? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a military. big base, right? It's a military town. Yeah. So again, then you got um, Fort Hood, which is right there uh, next to clean and so I'd go up there and visit him. And so we flew out. Uh, she well, she said New Jersey, Florida, or Texas. I said no, no to New Jersey because I don't want to live out there. It's yeah. too cold. Um, and everything's just compact. And then Florida is like, I don't want to deal with hurricanes.
0: Yeah, right. Like right now, right? Right, right now, they're going through yeah. the
1: uh, massive hurricane that just hit them, and they, they said there's a possibly a couple hundred people that died from that event. Um, I'm just, I'm hoping that they're wrong because they said they think, they believe that's how many people died, but they're not too sure yet. Um, and so we came out to Texas, flew to Austin, checked out Dallas and San Antonio while we're out here. So we looked at multiple homes in all three cities. Love San Antonio, but Austin gave us more of the culture that we love because it's more like a melting pot. Yeah, it
0: sure is. And
1: so you have so many different demographics and so yeah. many different cultures. Everybody's so
0: open-minded here in Austin. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like we all look completely different here, but I guarantee you, Clinton, if you were to you know lo- you know be on the side of the road on First or Congress and you needed you know a trip to the to get some gas or something, uh,
1: somebody would stop right away. Oh yeah, I mean. How friendly people are out here is culture shock for a lot of people that move from out of state to here, especially coming from like California. If you're not driving like a Maserati or a BMW or a Mercedes, people won't even give you the time of day. I mean, I remember I sitting at a Starbucks one time and I love to read um, like personal growth books. And I always ask people when I see them reading the book, what are they reading? I'm Sit down. This lady sits down over there and I'm like, Oh, what book are you reading? And she's like, I'm married. And I'm like, I'm engaged. <laughs> I was like, I just want to know what book you're That's reading. Awesome, golly! Um, but, dude. but coming out here, like, I've been in the solar industry for almost eight years. now yeah. running my own company for the last two. And when I started selling out here, people were actually like inviting me into their homes, like feeding yeah, me, giving everybody's me drinks. Nice, dude. And in California, yeah. like people would yell at me, spit on me, pull a gun on me, trying to like, oh, knock them on their door. I think, I think the reason I think it works here in Texas because you just, at least me personally, I've lived in Texas my whole life.
0: I just assume everybody has a gun. <laughs> so you just don't, you just don't mess with anybody. Yeah. If anything, you're, you're incentivized by you thinking everybody has a gun. You're incentivized to actually even be more friendly. It's true. Cause you don't want to be perceived as a threat. Yeah. Right. And like, and it, people will talk about the gun laws. They're like, oh, this and this car, you know. And I'm like, no, dude, it actually keeps everybody in check.
1: Yeah, if, if, if you think that someone might have a gun because it's the, yeah. the right to carry, right. You're not going to, do certain things. Cause you don't want to die. Exactly. And so you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to beat somebody up. You're not going to try to rob them. No, you're not because you don't know what. So
0: this when I went to New York for the first time ever, like two years ago,
1: I was completely
0: shocked by the way they were talking to each other, like in the highway and the Uber driver, he's like, you know, you're okay. I'm like, Yeah, like, but are we going to get shot for doing this? He was yelling at the person next to him in the thing. And then the guy came out and I was like, this would, somebody would have been killed already in Texas if you'd have done this. Like,
1: it's impossible. Like, you don't do that. No. You don't. I think you live more in a civil society when everybody's able to defend themselves.
0: Exactly. It's it's like, because it goes back down to like, okay, cool. You have to shake their hand. It's a, it's a very old way of living, but I think it's probably the better way of living personally. I, I, I feel completely safe in Austin. I feel completely safe in Texas. Uh, but I, I don't know if I felt safe like in all these other places where you know, you don't know like, like what you were describing in California.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in my neighborhood in California, like, I lived in high density living with uh, parking restrictions. So uh, there's massive parking wars in my neighborhood. So like if you parked in a certain spot, someone would always claim it's their spot and they would they would slash your tires. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had my car broken into so many times I had to leave my car unlocked. And even when it was unlocked, I literally had someone take a crowbar to my car door and then broke the car door off of the frame. And so I had to get a brand new car door for my car. And That's I left everything insane. unlocked. I mean, the, the crime out there is ridiculous. You couldn't even walk down my street after 8 p.m right across the street, there's open drug scene, prostitutes everywhere. I remember waking up one morning and ATF, the DEA, the sheriffs, local PD were just raiding all the apartment complexes one morning.
0: Wow. Because uh, they
1: finally cracked on it one month because it was just getting out of control. There was multiple murders at the park across the street. Wow. So many drugs, overdoses. It's interesting here, right across the street,
0: uh, there was a group of people that were clearly selling drugs. So as soon as we moved in, like we were like, yo- property manager, this is going on here, we're seeing it. And now if you look over, I don't know, when you've walked in here, they have like a big old police light right there. Uh, that place is cleared now. There, No one is hanging out there anymore. Um, but it's like, it took us almost a month and a half and somebody getting shot like over here
1: for that to change. And I feel bad. Cause like, it's not about like going after the people that are using the drugs. It's go after the people that are selling the drugs, right? Because they're they're lacing these things with fentanyl and c- killing people. So they should be the one that be criminalized and locked up. Absolutely, and not the people that are the victims because they they're they're addicted to these drugs. They got hooked onto them. Whether they were on prescription drugs and then their prescription ran out and then they went onto the street to self medicate. So I, I don't blame them for their addiction problems, and we should help these individuals. Absolutely, with social services. But the idea for these people that are living on the street. Our city is like, oh, housing is what solves homelessness. If you look at California, the Project Room Key that Mayor Adler's trying to adopt. So yeah, what is what is that? What is that? Clay? So Project Roomkey is down in San Diego where they're buying up all these uh, hot- hotels and then they just stick the homeless in there. And so, but what does that solve though? Exactly. And so they saw an increase of 200% in drug overdoses because they're taking them off the street and saying, you don't have to get sober. You don't have to stop doing drugs. You don't have to work with a social worker to get job placement or job training, which we have all of these programs out here for free in Austin, but we're not utilizing them properly. So, or we're not deploying capital to them, I guess. Is we're that not, we're, we're not just deploying. not even giving them money probably? We're not, we're not giving them money. We're not, we're not even utilizing them at all. We got the Community First Village that is expanding their, their uh, facility by 1,400 homes. Uh, we got the Salvation Army rehab center here in Austin. My church, Saint Catherine, we were just talking about
0: that on Monday. They they are letting people around that area come in there and like use their services, but it's it's they can I mean, it's a small church like you can only help so many people. So yeah. it it sounds like from what you're saying, it sounds like we're putting more strain on the local community, and then we're not helping them facilitate the help.
1: It yeah, sounds we're just, like we're just saying housing solves homelessness but it's not. It's community solves homelessness. Exactly. And so yeah, housing helps for those people that are facing chronic homelessness. There's a gentleman that um, I've met multiple times that's living out of his car and he's tried so many times to get services through the homeless programs, but he doesn't qualify because of how he's living right now. So they'd rather stick someone that has severe drug issues or mental health issues in a home that can't help themselves Yeah, versus the guy that maybe only need temporary shelter in uh, an apartment or a hotel for maybe one or two months so he get back on his feet and then he'll be able to pay everything himself. That's like, I only need like one or two months so I can get back on my feet.
0: This is the thing I I think for me personally, like with my background and how I grew up, like, you know, my mom was very strict on us. She put us like in the library on the weekends. She would put me in art classes on, you know, during the week. Like what all the after school programs, latchkey, like everything. She forced us all, all to do that. But what's interesting is like, we have other people in my family, you know, like second cousins or third cousins who are addicted to like alcohol and drugs. And like you, we have to see them every once in a while. Right. Cause they're your family. And then you realize like, like I know personally, like if you got that person, like, let's say my second cousin, you got him in a, a rehabilitation center of some sort. And he was able to get off of it initially and then work his way up. I, th- I think, I think that works. I think actually caring about the individual and trying to get them the help they need to get out of that works. But if you would have just said, yo, let's just put you in your own little place and like, here's a couple of money a month and like, let's see what you do, he's just going to go right back to the bottle, right back to the drugs. And that sounds like that's what they're
1: doing. Mm-hmm. We need to give them dignity
0: back. Right. Yeah. And like self respect, like build them up.
1: Because mm-hmm. we also have free vocational training here in Austin, too. Do we? Yeah, so they have free training programs where you can become an AC technician, starting at hundred thousand dollars a oh, year. Oh wow! Um, you can be, become get your uh, CDL to you become a truck driver, your journeyman electrician license certification, a plumber certification. So we have all these trade jobs for free vocational training that we can use with a social worker for the individuals that need job tra- re job training because maybe the job that they had no longer pays well or it's kind of phasing out as technology improves, certain jobs will go away. I mean, we're already starting to see, like, the first McDonald's in Arizona is 100% automated. Literally, oh, wow. there's machines that make the burgers, machines that take the order, machines that serve the food in the restaurant. I think it's in Phoenix or Tucson. Oh, wow. The first robotic. And they're running it for two years to see the profitability. And then after that, if it's profitable, they're going to start transitioning to, to all everybody. the restaurants. So there's a whole class of individuals yeah. That we focused on, we well, we got to pay them more. We got to pay them more. Versus like, how do we get them better education to get them better jobs? Because when you force low-income jobs to mm-hmm. pay more, businesses will find a way to eliminate those job positions. It's just the fact of reality in capitalism.
0: It's interesting you say about the getting them into other jobs. I used to work at UT and- um I wanted to transition to more of like the IT area stuff. And like, I went to ACC, right? So I went to AT- ACC, they 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 routed me over to the um, career area, I guess, of ACC, which is the Austin Community yeah. College. Uh, and they were like, oh, you can get a Texas grant that'll pay for your first year. I think it was like $5,000. And then, so I was able to get my Cisco certification okay. for, the, for the Cisco uh, Academy there. And, uh, and it, and it was a Saturday course from like 8am all the way till five. So I still had to do my full time job during the week, but I was able to go on Saturdays from like 8am to about 5pm every Saturday for like four months in a row. It was, it was hard. It was the hardest thing I ever did. Right. Like at that time, but it was that opportunity to go from working at UT doing basically grunt work, you know? but able to lift up into the Cisco, making way more money. And then now here as a founder at Pleb Lab, like where I went from there to here now, it's like, but that's how it starts. It starts with giving people the opportunity to lift themselves up out of where they were before. And I think that's exactly what you're kind of
1: talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And I would also look at our, our, our college university system as well, because we have our, the banking systems that for these college loans that are very predatory. And so when I went back to college after, because I was working for the Department of Defense when I got out of the military. Oh, wow. And I advanced as far as I could without a college degree. So I got up to a GS level nine. Um, was Is that, that pretty high? high? It's about a little bit past mid to high level management okay. right in there. So I think it goes up to GS 15 um, and it starts out at like GS three to four. So I was like right in the middle. Um, but I advanced as far as I could without a college education. So I quit my job, moved back to California to go to school. And so when I was using my military benefits to go back to school, I literally had to sit down with a counselor and they say, okay, what job do you want out of, out of your degree? I was like, well, at the time I was doing bodybuilding. And so I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. Like I want, I want to be a personal trainer. I know a couple of down in LA that are making six figures as a personal trainer. And so they, they looked up all the job stats for that for the, Current, uh, current year, past five years, and what they forecast the next five years to be in job placement. They're like, well, looks like the fitness industry has actually been dying down since five years ago up to now, and it's going to continue that way because less people are paying for personal trainers, and so we can't pay for that college education for your um, sports medicine. So, like, what else job do you want? I was like, well, my dad's in IT, so uh, cybersecurity, network software. Oh, cool. And so they like, they looked at it, they're like, okay, well, it looks like this is a growing industry and you can start out making $80,000 a year up to yeah. $180,000, yeah. depending on what you go in for. So I, I went to ITT Tech and studied cybersecurity network software, and I actually liked the fact that I was required to sit down with a social worker to give me an, a realistic idea, yeah. idea of what my lifestyle would be and a job availability um, in the future, which they're not doing with these kids, they're just saying, "Oh, here's a hundred thousand dollar loan, and yeah. go take your business education or gender studies." Yeah, and it, the kids are getting out of college with like a hundred to two hundred thousand dollar student loans, and then Gosh. they're getting a job at Starbucks. Yeah, dude. I
0: yeah, golly, dude. It I I know people who literally have gotten their like psych, psychology degrees or whatever, and then they're working at Walmart as human resources or something. Like okay. I know people that did that. And, it, and if they, it's, so, if they it's just do like, that, it's like, how does that happen?
1: They, they have this idea of what they want to do in life, but there's no reality that's behind it. So they just need to get a check of reality of what's realistic of what that degree is going to provide for them. Because if they sat down with the counselor, like I did, and they laid that out said, Hey, like I understand that you want this degree to pursue this um, type of whatever education, but when you graduate, there may not be a job for you. So do you want to invest this much debt for something that will not pay you anything? Right. And so I think that would help a lot of kids avoid maybe even going to college and maybe they may go to a trade school instead that pays a lot more yeah. and pays you while you're going. And it's quicker too. It's a lot quicker. Cause yeah. I mean, I went to the IT tech was, which technically was a trade school.
0: Yeah. Um, but you was, did it for like two years, maybe like a year.
1: Yeah. So I got a four. Uh, I, well, they, they, they shut down the semester before I got my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So I got my uh, Cisco certification, my CC plus certification, my CCNA. And oh, right gosh. before I graduated, the, I show up with the staff. There's locks on the door. I says, sorry, um, the school's permanently closed. We, they didn't notify us. They lost their accreditation, that they were on probation. God, dude. And then just. Rug pulled.
0: Yeah, But yeah.
1: you were still able to use that though, right? No. So no. none of us knew that the credits were non-accredited. And so those credits were not not transferable to any university. So they said, well, you either can start over or you can be part of this lawsuit. And so the lawsuit's still going on. And I won't get anything back because my GI bill paid for it. Now, if they refunded my GI, GI bill. Then you could go. I could go back to college, yeah. but I, I won't. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, I'm in, I'm in the solar industry and I don't want to be a, a career politician. And the reason why I'm wanting to go in is just for four years to address the issues that are happening here. Cause everybody says, don't California my Texas, but they're literally Californianizing Austin. God, dude. Oh, and I'm always told like, why would we want to elect somebody from California? Well, I'm a refugee, not a missionary. I'm not here to spread the gospel of California. I'm actually here to stop these radical policies that, our current council and mayor have been adopting from California.
0: We have, you know, it, it I'm seeing more like Kyle's from California, um, originally born in Texas, but like he, he's seen it firsthand. We have other friends in the Bitcoin community that have actually came from California and then now they're living and it's very similar to your story. Um, and then I, I've noticed those people actually care more about (laughs) Texas than somebody like myself. I mean, I care a lot about my town and my city, but it's like those people are coming in like saying, Hey, it's happening over here. Don't let it get like that over here, please. Um, What happened here? It's weird. It's still, it's still recording. Um, But I I think, I think I'm realizing now it's uh, these people that are coming from California. It's, it's like uh, they're letting everybody know, like, hey, it's
1: it's, it's You really got to look at what type of individual is moving from California. Is it a person that's moving because they got, they're getting pushed out? Or is it someone that came here from, for, a, for a career? So typically the people that moved here because of a job opportunity from that state, they're not going to change their ideology on how they vote. Um, people that move here because maybe they can't afford to live in California – there's the ones that are like, I'm coming here to adopt the Texas lifestyle, to adopt the Texas values and culture. Mm-hmm. And so those are the ones that t- change the way that they vote. And I really hate the people that vote vote just down ballot. It's like, why did these people earn all of your vote? Just guaranteed? I mean, we should all be independents, in my opinion. We shouldn't have a political side or a political affiliation. These political parties should earn our vote and they should explain why they should earn
0: yeah, I I realize the more the more I get older, Clint, I'm realizing now that it really isn't about red or blue. It it really is just about like, um, how, how like are, are we doing the right thing for future generations? Like, are are we setting us are we setting ourselves up uh, to help the next person that comes along? Uh, and I know in the Bitcoin space, we we definitely feel like we do that. But I, I feel when I look at my city and my, my city council, especially like the mayor, I, I, I can't help but feel he's just doing it out of selfishness sometimes. Um, he's only worried about him and his group of people. And it's, he's not looking out for the actual greater community of Central Texas, unfortunately.
1: A lot of people are feeling that way. I mean, I've, I lived, I've knocked on 15,000 doors since March. And I mean, besides... 60% of the people that I've spoken to aren't registered to vote and don't want to vote. And their biggest reason why is like, they're like, well, I'm not registered to vote. I supported the camping ban, um, even though I didn't vote for it. I, I wanted it to be enforced and it passed. And even though it passed, our city council is not enforcing it. Or they're literally tying our the police's hands and the DA is tying their hands. So they're not enforcing this. So why should I vote when my voice wouldn't have been heard anyways?
0: Gosh, how do you fix that clinton like how do you is it just is it just as a is it just a removal of the people that are in there now is that how we fix that
1: yeah it, it, it's is literally and uh, you're removing the people that ignore the law because we we should be all constitutionalists we should all enforce the law and you're having a da that in 2021 he 46% of the solved murders were people that he put back on the street or repeat violent. Really? Offenders. Yeah. So there's 89 murders and 46, uh, I think 70% of the murders have been solved. And out of the 70%, 46% of those were individuals that he dropped charges. They were violent repeat offenders. They were out on bond. So they dropped their bond from like $300,000 down to like $9,000. Um, they put them out on an ankle monitor or, um, <clears throat> They reduced charges and they went out to commit a murder within six to nine months after they were put back on the street. God, dude. And so it's this is all under the reimagined policing and they're great philosophical ideals, but they're utopian ideals. If you don't live in a life of reality, the the bad people exist. They do. And you need to hold bad people accountable.
0: They're absolute wolves, dude. Yeah. And and, and, that, and this is where, like, for me, growing up where I did, you you would see those people and you would avoid the F out of them. Like, you wouldn't go around them. This is why my mom was so protective of us. But the harsh reality is, unless you come down on them hard, they're not going to accept their, the, the, the situation that they brought upon
1: themselves. They're just not going to accept it. You have to hit them hard. It's the only way somebody will learn. I mean, look at Martha's Vineyard. There, I mean, it's it's a sanctuary city. Literally, had forty-eight immigrants sent to them to take care of forty-eight, and we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands that pour across our border cities on the, on the southern border, and they sent out a GoFundMe account to raise thousands of dollars to take care of these immigrants in their town, and then they had them deported by the National Guard to a military base. So it's like a, a sanctuary city. Filled with light, white liberal people that are millionaires, one of the wealthiest cities can't even take care of forty-eight people.
0: I didn't hear about that.
1: Yeah, because they don't. It goes against the narrative of them actually caring. Because once they are forced to actually do what they're what they say, they're just hypocrites, right? And so they have the money, they have the resources, but they're like, not on my island. Yeah, and they sent them over to a military compound. Wow. And they had video footage of them all clapping and smiling and waving as they're going on the bus. It's like, they weren't even there for 48 hours and you had to kick them off off your island. God, dude. It's like, if you're going to say you're a sanctuary city, then you're truly a sanctuary city to help them. And if you can't set up the resources to take care of people based on your standard sanctuary, then don't call yourself a sanctuary city. Wow. Don't virtue signal.
0: Yeah. You see a lot of that happening these days. A lot of virtue signal, a lot of people saying that they uh, support, you know, this uh, this ESG movement, but in reality, they're riding their private planes all around the,
1: the globe, right? Like, isn't that the most hypocritical thing ever? I, I don't know anything more hypocritical than that. Yeah. I mean, the, and it's funny too, because as someone that's been in the renewable energy sector for eight years, I love debating people on climate change because I always tell them, I'm like, they're like, well, we need more solar and more wind. And I was like, well wind is a bust i mean literally we're going through these things that have a 10-year life cycle that we can't even recycle we just bury it under the dirt yeah and then someone that's been in the renewable energy with solar i was like solar is not green Um, it's a hard reality to accept but it is not green the amount of fossil fuels that we expend to mine or one to build the equipment to mine for the minerals then shipping the minerals to the boats then boats to the manufacturer facilities to turn them into cells, then turn them into panels and ship them out. We expend more fossil fuels than they will actually reduce over their lifetime. No one understands that. Why Why, why is that? It, it's just media manipulation, in my opinion. They're selling this idea, but and if they all speak it, people believe in the media. But the media has gotten so many things wrong so often that you're already starting to see a lot of people are starting to wake up I mean, you've seen viewership drop, even on Fox, viewership's dropping, um, CNN, MSNBC. Um,
0: everybody's going to independent media now.
1: Everybody's going to independent media because they don't tell you how to think. They just provide you the data and the information and let you make your own decision, which the, that's what the media was supposed to do is just give you the data, give you the what the information is at hand and let you make up your own choice. Right this is why I think what we
0: do here at thriller is really important is that we're getting everybody the opportunity to speak about what they want to speak about. And, and I want to learn.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I, 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 There's some things that I don't know and I'm comfortably honest about that. And I, I want to be educated. You know, I've been, I've been inviting a lot of uh, uh, people that are looking to run, you know, here in Austin. You're the first one that said yes. Why is that? All these other people are like, no, 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 car. I'm too busy. No, no, no. I don't want to come on the show. No, no, no. You're not the right audience. But here you are, meeting in the middle to have a conversation. You just met Kyle over here. You met the rest of the people here at Club Lab. Like, what, what? What? Why is that, Clint? Why can? Why can somebody like you come and like meet everybody that you? I can tell you're you're a good human being. You care about your town. You care about your family. You care about the people around you. I can clearly see that in your eyes. But
1: like. Why are these other politicians not like that? Because they're, part they're party aligned. Is so that what that is? It's party alignment. And so I don't care about pl- pl- party politics. I, I've gone to Democrat events. I've gone to Libertarian events. I've gone to Republican events. And I, I am a registered Republican, but I don't vote down ballot. I don't do that. I've voted Democrat. I've voted Libertarian. I've voted Republican um, ever since I started voting when I turned 21. I mean, I'm guilty. I didn't vote until until I turned 21. Um, I mean, I joined the military, and so I was focused on doing my military training. And then when I got out of the military as one of was 21 is when I started actually kind of focusing more on politics because I was more focused on surviving as a military. Yeah. They had bombs and learning about explosives and stuff like that. And I think we need to stop aligning ourselves with people that only stick with their party. Yeah, because um, then you get into an eco-chamber of thought mindset, and you're not willing to challenge your thought process. And we're seeing that with people saying, believe scientists. Well, which scientists? <laughs> yeah. Believe the science, uh, believe, right? Believe economic the, the, the communists. Like, which ones? <laughs> it's like, you, you need to have diversity of thought. It's like, I believe in the scientific method. We we there are bad scientists out there. Doesn't mean one hundred percent that are fully backed by the same companies that are trying to poison us. Yeah, big pharma. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people don't realize is the FDA that's supposed to oversee our drugs that we take. They only accept the data from the pharma. same people that are giving them money. <laughs> yeah, same people that are giving them money, and they don't even do their own internal investigation on these studies. And so it's just like it's a whole corrupt system. It's all buddy buddy. And more and more people are waking up. And I'm I'm happy to see more and more people coming yeah. up to this reality of all these false narratives that are being sold to us. Thank you for doing what you do,
0: Clinton. Like, cause we need more people like you out there willing to honestly like willing to put their necks on the line for their community. Like, I can only imagine the amount of, like, hate that you get for speaking oh. the truth. I can only imagine the amount <laughs> Very of- Very
1: little. <laughs> really? Yeah. So okay. I, I, I don't tolerate BS. I don't tolerate slander. There's nothing that anybody can do to, to ruin my life. Because literally right now, I'm actually- I, I stepped away from my solar company. So I'm making no money in, sol- in the solar industry right now. I'm literally living off my military disability. And so- Thank I've, you for your
0: service, by the way. You're
1: welcome. Uh, so I've literally- Cha- uh, alter my lifestyle. Cause I, I knew I wanted to run in Austin a year before I ran. So I started making some changes in my life so I could live off my disability. because It's only about $43,000 a year. So I'm making less than the average wow, income teenage. in Austin while running a campaign full time. And so I understand what these people are going through. that are living paycheck to paycheck. Cause I am living paycheck to paycheck right now because I'm just living off of that one resource. Um, so, I, I can understand what they're going through, and I know how to solve the issues in Austin to help those people that are struggling. Because if I, if I didn't make those adjustments a year before I ran, I would be buried in debt, living off my credit cards. Right. But, like me and my wife, we, we did a 33 raised garden beds in our backyard. We're growing our own food. So, 6% Gosh. of our own food is coming from our backyard. We're in the process of building water collection systems so we can actually create our own drinking water and our own water to do it, wash our dishes and stuff like that so we're not relying on austin water uh, i have solar on my home so i haven't wow. had an electric bill in four years do you got chickens yet we got chickens Bah. <laughs> we're gonna have our own eggs isn't that a game changer once you get chickens like i feel like it yeah it's and, just, and i've learned to cold my own chicken too so i've killed my own chicken gutted it nice. it, and ate it yeah uh, best chicken i've ever had better than store-bought yeah it's 100%. so delicious um but i think Teaching people how to become more self-sufficient so they're not relying. Because when the winter storm hit, so many people didn't have food. Dude, Mayor Adler dropped the effing ball, dude.
0: I've never seen a complete coward. I'll call him a coward to his face because he literally didn't stand up and help anybody. It was all the people in our, like I was living off of South, uh, South First at that time. And then all the, the brewers, the microbrewers in the area were giving people water so they can have water. There was a one in a million. We're giving free tacos out. Like everybody was pitching in, in the community. If anything, that the the freeze taught me was that your community is gonna lift you out of those hard situations. Not the leaders. Unfortunately, Adler and the rest of those people did not help us at that time.
1: Sadly, government's never gonna solve your issues, they just create issues. They create problems that they try to solve. We saw that with the, the homeless problem where they when they enabled a camping ban, it just attracted so many people from out of state to come here because of all the free re- resources that they had. But then when we pushed the end of the camping ban, now our green belts are being destroyed. And now they're asking for more money to clean those up. And they're saying, oh, look at what we're doing. We're doing all this good stuff. It's like, well, you, you caused it. <laughs> You don't get to pat yourself on the back and then give yourself a 40% raise because of issues that you caused. Talk about that. They just gave themselves a 40% raise. No one knows about this. Yeah, so they they, they talk about this 40% raise is something that's well-deserved, and then the incumbent that I'm running against says it's not enough.
0: Wait, 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 wait. So, But don't all of them live like, on the west side of town. I'm not, I'm not knocking the people that live on that, but those are really expensive places to live. Uh, yeah, people living like at the W Hotel, really expensive places to live. Like, Is it because they're not with will, willing to live within their means,
1: maybe? Is that oh, what's they're really- living, co- They're living way above their means. I mean, you got like Vanessa Fuentes, she's going back to the Netherlands to learn about the biking urban infrastructure that we can adopt here in Austin. Like, well, I'm sorry, the average temperature- Yearly temperature in the Netherlands is 61 degrees. The average temperature in Austin is 81 degrees. I mean, when we had that 58 days of 100 degree plus weather, I didn't see anybody riding their bike. So why are we trying to build an infrastructure that barely anybody's going to use? It sounds like she just wants to take a trip to the Netherlands. There's a little bit of that. And there's this whole anti-car movement that's going on in Austin. They're they're narrowing the roads. They're trying to eliminate parking restrictions. Like, parking limitations. So they can put more
0: parking meters there.
1: <laughs> no. So they can create more bike lanes. They want a more bike friendly Austin. Like it's not going to happen in this environment. I mean, yeah, we should have bike lanes and bike routes for those individuals that want to do it. I'm not saying we should get, eliminate them, yeah. but you should not build an infrastructure off of a population of 1%. Yeah. I mean, we are a construction town. We are a tech town. Now we're a music industry. I mean, some guy going to haul his drums on the back of his bike to his next gig?
0: No, he's not. They
1: usually park they right there game. on the side and they load everything off. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there, there are utopian ideals that don't work here. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to build the same infrastructure in every single city because every city is going to have different climate, different culture, different needs.
0: Much less you need to fly to the Netherlands and see how what they're doing, and then try to copy the same thing here. It's like maybe just check out Houston and check out some of these other towns that have expanded and see how they're doing it
1: and how they manage it. Right? Yeah. See where their failures were, where their successes were. That way, you're not making the same mistakes. Yeah. You don't fly to another country where their state you can or country you can literally ride a bike around in a couple hours.
0: I think like you see what UT is doing, right? So like UT has all the bike lanes over there, and it's all close by of the university. That makes sense. It's yeah. like, you have kids, of course they're going to ride their bikes. Of course they're going to ride their scooters or whatever. And that makes sense in that area. But to throw it everywhere, it's like, doesn't make sense. It makes sense for that particular area
1: of the city. Right. I mean, Pflugerville even did a great thing with their bike there. And I don't know if they're done with it yet, but like when I was attending BNI meeting, which is a network meeting for business owners. So you may have like 40 people in that group and you all are that one individual for the industry. So there'd be like a dentist, a lawyer, a real estate guy, um, a solar plumber, electrician, different trades, but only one in that area. So you guys share business. And so one of them was talking to me about how they're building a a huge interconnection highway that's for uh, walking and biking between all the schools. And so it cut through residential and it made it easy for people that instead of taking their car to drop off their kids, they can ride a bike. (laughs) But it's not going to be something that people are going to use year round because of how hot it gets here in Texas. No, you're right. Like when I was young, growing
0: up on the coast uh, over here in, in Corpus, like we walked to school, but it was way better breeze. It was still hot, but it was like breeze coming and it was like, you know, maybe like a mile walk at most. But like that's what everybody did. Kids just walked to school.
1: I did that in California. Yeah. It was better temperature. I mean, we had like maybe three weeks out of the year, it was, above 90 and maybe one or two weeks that I was above a hundred. And so I would walk five miles to school and walk five miles back. Well, I'd run back cause I'd drop off my backpack at my mom's work. because She worked for the local newspaper at that time. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, my mom, my mom, very involved growing up. Um, public service was big to my family. I'm a fourth generation uh, combat veteran. and My mom's pretty much served on every board that you can think of within the city from parks and recs to Kiwanis clubs to, the school, uh, the school district. Um, nice. Worked for the local paper as a journalist and then an editor. Now she's a city councilwoman. Wow. Um, yeah, so if there's a name with a plaque, her name's on it. That's so, awesome, man. So I actually got to watch her grow and build a city within. Uh, so you Houston. saw You saw what it,
0: what it takes, the, the amount of effort, the amount of care, the amount of love for your city, right? Yeah, You've seen it firsthand. all focused 10. around
1: community. Yeah. And it, it just feels like this... this City council is not focused around comu- community; they're focused about what can advance my political career. What big item can I push through that makes me look good? Is it tampon equity? Is it the the guaranteed income program? Is it homeless hotels? Um, so it's not about what actually helps the community; it's what makes them look good. So, so Clinton, tell everybody
0: where they can learn more about you. Uh, what's what's your website? What
1: What is it it that you need most? So my website is clintonrary.com. You can see it right here, last name R-A-R-E-Y. It's going to go over my platform, which is going to be cost of living, public safety, and government transparency and accountability. I want to actually hold people accountable, uh, especially like with East 12th Street when they did the rezoning for the Bar District. They used an online survey with no accountability to actually verify that they're, they're actually residents to push through the vote. Oh, that's sneaky. And so I actually went door to door and I spoke to 55 people uh, that live in that area and 45 were against it. And they've gotten a petition signed. With, I think it was about 100 people that signed that petition. And then 10 people were even unaware. But then you have the councilwoman saying, well, well we went around and we surveyed the neighborhood. Not to, not to these people. You didn't knock on any of their doors. Wow, so dude. They did an online survey that had no transparency, no accountability. That to justify to push it up to a council vote, not a ballot vote. Cause if it went on a ballot, it would have got shut down. Gosh. And I, I saw the other
0: day on social media, some, one of those councilwomans was attacking you. She called you a racist. <laughs> and I was like, White supremacist. Uh, you were just like freaking asking her a question. I wasn't even asking her Where question.
1: Where does she get the, 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 the nerve to do that, dude? So she was talking about the high crime in metropolitan cities and um, I was agreeing with her. I said, I have to agree with Natasha on, and before I can finish what I was saying, she she interrupted She's like, council woman, Harper Madison. What? And what is I, she royalty? I, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> these, these titles mean nothing to me. I will address you by your first name or Ro- your last name. Austinites, man. Yeah. We're all in Austin. This, we're in this together. Yeah. But she's the same woman that like I was uh, at a, Town hall meeting of hers, and some lady was asking her questions why she's meeting with a lobbyist that uh, works with Eureka Holdings that owns 170 properties on or off of East 12th Street. So they wow. benefit from the rezoning and not the homeowners. Wow. And when they asked that, like she was dancing on the, around the question, and the resident just like cursed her out and said, "Hey, just answer the damn question." And then Natasha stood up and said, "You know, you need to respect me." What is my position on, dude? Well, it's ego entitlement. She's never had power. She she tried to create her own business and that failed. And she's even admitted it. She's like, I tried to create this flower business that was eco-friendly. and Well, that failed. And so she's never really had success in her life. And I, I bet outside of being a city councilwoman, I bet she's a great individual to talk to. I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's great. We're not knocking who she is, no.
0: how she grew up. We're knocking the entitlement that she thinks she has it. She exactly. she needs to realize that
1: it's not about her.
0: It's not about her. It's about your community. Like, what are you doing for us? We're paying taxes. Like we paid a lot of, uh, you know, ask Kyle, dude, like the, 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 the red tape and all the stuff just to move in here and work on open source development was ridiculous. It is. <laughs> it was so, it was like, <sighs> that's another topic for another day. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is like, these people don't realize that they're here to work for us.
1: It is. And right now we're with the other, cause there's a group interview with a Statesman. And so you had Melanie house Dixon on one side, Natasha Harper, Madison right there. And then myself right here. And so I didn't address her by her title because I don't believe in titles. I'll call you by your first name or by your last name, whichever you prefer. I'm not going to slap like, councilwoman or like some people that think that they're still have their general ranking when they get out of the military. I'm sorry. No, you're a civilian you're a, or you're a public servant if you're a council person. And so then we're doing our closing statements. And then she went on a rant about how people don't address her by her title. And it's cause of uh, egotistical white supremacy style thinking. And I'm just like, you don't want, you don't know anything about my life. Like my, my, my ex-wife that I was married to, she was Hispanic, Native American. Um, my, my nephews and nieces are black. It's like, she doesn't even
0: realize who she's talking to. And and
1: it's not about her race. It's about her character. She, she is very ego driven. She thinks she's entitled to everything. And if people don't like her, then they're racist.
0: Yeah. She's not even listening to Martin Luther King and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but like, he literally said, not judge somebody by the 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 color of their skin, but the the forget the last words, but their character, right? Like yeah. it's true, man. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it's true. Like judge people by their character and what they've done. And she's clearly doing awful things to her city. If she's taking money from I'm saying this, she's taking money from somebody else. Cause I've heard stories, man. I've been living in this town for a while now. There's envelopes that get passed. And when they leave that meeting, They just pick up that envelope along with the rest of their materials. Now, I don't know what's in the envelope, but that happens in this town, unfortunately. And I think what we're doing here at Thriller is like, we're trying to be another publication for people to look at and look to as far as like independent media, right? Because a lot of what we're seeing with the, some of the other publications in town, they're a little slanted in a certain direction. You know, I'm not saying I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying because they're our friends. But I'm just saying, like it appears from my side that it looks like kind of slanted. Um, and I think what we need to do here is like give people like yourself and other people that are in the light, you know, a reason to to speak up because I don't think these other people are giving you the fair enough platform to get out there to the masses because
1: I think you're seeing it
0: well, door awesome to door. Awesome,
1: awesome monitors doing a lot better after I called them out for slander. That's good. Um, and it, that's all you got to do is you got to stand up for yourself. And when you do, they back down because they're not used to it. They're, they're, they're used to you like, Oh, I'm going to call him a racist and he's going to, he's going to cower down. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I'm not a racist. So I, I'm going to call it out where it is. And your entitled little woman's going to sit down and actually listen to the facts and the data. And I'm not, I don't want to join city council and rub shoulders and go to cocktail parties. I just want to get there and do the work. And I'm probably going to be the most hated council member on council by other council members. I'm going to hold them accountable for what they say and what they do. Because, uh, for example, we had the uh, like the license plate readers that they voted on. No, I didn't uh, hear
0: about that. What is that?
1: So they were trying to get the 20 license plate readers
0: mm-hmm.
1: into the police's hand to help for like human trafficking and Amber Alerts. Okay. And they had a policy written out on what it was not going to be used for and how the data was not going to be shared. But then you had the council members go up there and say the exact opposite and allow people that they invited to come out there and speak and spread this this disinformation regarding the the LPRs. And I went up there and I spoke, and they're talking about how 20 license plate readers is gonna be considered mass surveillance. I held up my phone, I was like, we all have a phone in our pocket. We're being surveilled every single day. NSA has admitted that, the FBI has admitted that, the CIA has admitted that, that they listen to our phones. They read our text messages. It's been publicized in the news. So it's true. I don't care if they listen, because I have nothing to hide. It's not like there's anything I could do to stop them. I mean, it's going to take Congress, but they're not going to do anything because they don't care. And then they went on about how like, Oh, it's going to track people getting abortions by uh, Chito Vela. And he's a, he's a, he's a lawyer. It's like, you know, well, that it is a clear HIPAA violation for hospitals to share information with the DMV or even the police. Yeah. You had to have the gall to say that as an attorney, should disqualify you as a politician. You should be removed from your seat because now you are lying to stop something. Dude, I used to work in IT. We had to do a whole separate way of sharing
0: files for those companies that we were managing. HIPAA's a real thing, man. They'll come down on you hard. Yeah,
1: it's, it's politicians that just spread false information to push their narrative. And I'm tired of it. And that's why I'm going into the city council to stop.
0: Boss, God. You got my vote, Clinton.
1: If you're in District One, that's where I'm at, east of east of 35.
0: No, I'm not on east of
1: 35, but we have a lot of Bitcoiners over there. Yeah, I'm just I'm telling people like if you could donate money, then go to my website, clinterry.com, click on the donate page. I'm I'm
0: donating today. But if you can't
1: donate and you live in District One or if you live near District One, I highly encourage you to go go talk to ten people, just ten people, and. Ask them, are they registered to vote? Because you have until October 11th to register to vote.
0: Where do we go to do that? A lot of the Bitcoiners don't don't vote. That's just the truth. We don't vote. But let's say some of us, like me, you've encouraged me to go out and you know spread the message. Where can they go to register to vote?
1: So they, they have the registration to vote. Uh, you can do that on the Austin website. Or you can do that through the Texas page. And I'll give you the locations where you can go register to vote. Okay. And so we have early voting on October, 24, October 24th to November 4th. And the election day is November 8th.
0: So 20, October 24th to November 4th is early voting. Is early voting. And then election day is November 8th. And then when do we find out the results?
1: Well, it just depends on if they actually process everything properly or is it, we're going to have to wait two weeks. So it just okay. depends on how they handle the election. Okay. They, They'll probably say COVID, and then it's going to delay the process. Are um, they still running with that narrative now? They're still running with it. They, there's people that are still wearing masks, even though they say masks don't work. Um, which I'm not. I'm not going to judge anybody that feels that they need to wear a mask. That's perfect. Personal fine. decision. Personal, personal information. Personal, you
0: yeah. you do it on your yeah. own. And I'm not. But gonna, don't
1: force me to do. I'm not going to harass you if you yeah. want to wear a mask. I'm not going to tease you. But uh, the facts are they they don't work. They never worked. It's a respiratory disease. And you're gonna be able to get that whether you wear a mask or
0: not. Yeah, and absolutely. And people, we're not saying that people didn't die. People died, and well, it was lots tragic. Died, yeah. Uh, yeah, me and my personal there's people that passed, but it just means like, hey, you know, that's your it's a personal self decision to make.
1: Yeah, you know? and a lot of people don't realize too is like before, uh, like it was halfway through the COVID season, and I weighed two nearly 270 pounds. Wow. I, I was obese. Wow. And I was reading a lot of medical reports um, that were coming out early from COVID. And the underlying cause for most people that were being hospitalized were they were obese. Absolutely. 95% of people being hospitalized were obese. And so I looked at that and I looked at myself and I was like, well, COVID's real. I know it's real. I'm a high risk factor right now. And so I got in the gym and I started doing intermittent fasting. I went from 270 pounds. and Right now I'm at 174. Nice. in a year and a half and when people say well i, I can't afford healthy eating because it's too expensive or I can't afford a gym membership I didn't have a gym membership there's a lot of walking i didn't I didn't do any running there's a lot of walking small small weights high reps and I had two meals a day boss
0: wow. dude I went through the same transformation I was 100 pounds heavier a year ago I already lost 100 pounds I'm still working out there you go And it's, it's like one of those things is like, I switched to eating meat, shout out KNC cattle. Uh, I started hanging out with these guys who are super active, like Kyle started walking around, just walking around downtown and um, went back to church. Turns out that's all you really need to do to change your
1: life. I mean, mean the the fastest thing that got me to lose weight was cutting out sodas.
0: Yeah. That's a big thing too. Coffee. I actually picked up coffee this year.
1: I used to be a monster kind of guy in the morning. Yeah, it was a coffee was helps. C four, I like the C four oh, wow. drinks. So I'd, I'd have soda and energy, I'd have multiple energy drinks a day because I was addicted to caffeine. Me mm-hmm. too. Um, and my, I mean, my family has addiction issues to alcohol, and I was an alcoholic too. My wife was an alcoholic. Yeah, I mean, he, cut out alcohol no, no, too. I don't I, even drink alcohol. Nobody in my family drinks. Yeah. Anymore because we all have addictive personalities, and so we knew, we we understand we have addictive personalities. So my now my addiction is fitness. So cool. I've been back into fitness and I've done bodybuilding in the past when that, that actually helped me quit drinking the first time was doing bodybuilding. I've been doing this rower thing, dude. That's they, great. So for whatever reason, man, I just, I freaking love the rower.
0: It's a good back
1: workout. It's a good core workout. It's a good core thing hard, uh, for cardio as well. And it
0: also like, help, cause I, I ride, a, I ride a motorcycle to work. So like, it helps with me and like, con- that's a big ass bike. So it helps me like control the, you know, and, and like all this now is just like getting,
1: you know. And then just turn it upside down and do. Oh
0: practice. yeah. I need to, I need to start. Yeah. Kyle was telling me I to start hitting these, uh, yeah. these things, whatever that, that's like, it. It's, it's happening slowly. But I think uh, for me, like shout out Donna, he's the one that told me it's like car. You just take it that one step at a time, day by day. You're not trying to get bulked out or anything. You're literally just trying to make a health decision. Same way you brush your teeth, same way you should be working out. I'm like, damn, when you say it like that, it's an easier pill to swallow than saying, oh, you need to lose all this weight. You need to do this. And it's like, no, It's like brushing your teeth. Just uh, one day at a time, one day at a time, 20 minutes, one day. You want to do an hour the next? Cool. But it, like that to me was like easier pill to swallow for somebody who was heavier before, but not so anymore now and still dropping weight. Awesome, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Life changes around here at Pub Lab. That's what's kind of cool. So we're going to go to Clinton. Rary. Rary. Rary Rary.com. Correct. Okay. And then we're going to register to vote. And then we're going to vote for you if you're on the District 1 area. So
1: District 1 is from 7th Street. And then you're going to take Cameron Road. And then it turns into DeSalle. And then go all the way up to Howard Lane. Howard Lane to Harris Branch. Boss. Okay. Yeah. I used
0: to work over there off of DeSalle. There's a lot of uh, companies out there.
1: There's a lot of industrial uh, yeah. Buildings in District One, and, but it, it is a booming single-family home, and there's a lot of um, apartment complexes going up. I think I, right now there's 15 apartment complexes going up in District One uh, along nice. the, the highway corridors.
0: Nice, yeah. What do you think about Bitcoin? Do you think we're crazy? No, you you've seen pleb lapped. <laughs>
1: no, I, 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 what, what, I, do you, what do you what's your I, thoughts I, on Bitcoin? Just I curious. Know very little bit about Bitcoin. The only thing that I liked about Bitcoin is you can actually follow the transactions. And Interesting. Okay. So that's what I liked about it was transparency. And so I was like, when I saw this, I was like, why doesn't our government have this with how they spend their money? And so that's why I like, when I say I want accountability and transparency, I want to have an open source budget. In Austin. No so way. tell me more about that. How would that work? So open source budget, which Austin already kind of has, but they don't break it down all the way. And what I mean by break it down all the way is I want to know where per penny, where it's going. If it's going towards salaries, I want, okay, these are the amount of job positions in this in this category for like, say, Austin Energy, upper management. This is how much he's being paid. You don't have to list their names, just the job position, what they're being paid. Now, if it's above the, what their salary is, why is it above their salary? Now, let's break it down. This is their yeah. salary. Here's stipends, whatever it is. So calculating all of that. So we could actually see how the money's being spent. When you go on to their current system, it'll have like a line item that says other. What is other? Yeah. that's Or food. Yeah. What, what, what food? What was it buying? You
0: can't even get away with that for, if you're running a business.
1: No. You, if yeah. you file your taxes, you got to list everything. Yeah. So I want, I want our government to do the same thing for our tax dollars because they keep year over year, they've done max cap raises on their property taxes. And they justify for this year, like, well, we roll over in your property taxes, but you raised all the baseline fees for everything else, so we're actually paying more, even though you lower low property taxes. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's per- Bitcoin can definitely solve that. <laughs> I, I agree. Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin would solve that. Bitcoin and
1: definitely. Isn't can... is Miami? Um... So
0: that's the thing that most people don't realize is that Miami is a crypto town. So, I'm, uh, you know, nothing against that or whatever, but they those there's this company or Bitcoin, like, I don't know what they're doing. It's stacks. It's a, it's a, it's a poop coin kind of company. And what they're doing like is them. they gave this guy a lot of behind the scenes stuff to enact a city coin. And they tried doing the same thing here to Mayor Adler. So I'm not saying he got any city coins or any money from stacks. I'm just saying like uh, he was seen taking a picture with all these people behind him. That he's were associated. A, he's
1: doing a lot of things there's, that he shouldn't be doing.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of. I'm not accusing because I don't have any proof, but it's. Oh, I it, will. Okay, okay, <laughs> but it, it, it. They were trying to do the same kind of thing here, but there's a lot of Bitcoiners in this town, and we stomped it. Good. We stomped it out. Like we're not going to let somebody come in here, throw a lot of money towards these people, and then enact a city coin. Like Bitcoin's already. I don't know if you know this, but Bitcoin's being accepted down here at this brewer. Over here at Shiner's, we got a gas
1: station uh, over by my house is a Bitcoin ATM. They
0: have ATMs around town. Like we have, we have the Bitcoin Commons over here. It's an event center for everything Bitcoin related, um, and we have big Bitcoin companies in this town. Club Lab is one of them. Unchained is one of them. Like there's a big movement of Bitcoiners in this town that are coming from all over the world to come live here because it's a Bitcoin city. So. Yeah, the, the, the fact that they were trying to sneak by and do this whole kind of CityCoin here was a complete scam.
1: So there's a coin thing that the mayor was trying to do, and then timeshare homes that the mayor is currently doing. What's that? So have you heard of Picasso Homes? No. So Picasso Homes is based out of California, I believe. And I, I I'm, I'm, might be getting the person who's partnered mixed up. It's either Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. Um, one of them uh, has co-ownership with the company. I, and I could be wrong. So please check me on if I'm wrong. I always like to be checked on the facts. Okay. Um, but what it is, is this company comes in and buys up homes. And what they do is they do fractional shares. So you will have like 32 people buy into that home and you can live in that home for up to 14 days and not more than 22 days consecutively. So ultimately it is a timeshare home. And so like Tennessee is being infiltrated Oregon's being infiltrated. California's already being infiltrated by these. And literally you're removing the community out of the community. So they're just buying up homes, buying up homes and then doing fractional shares and calling it um, fractional shares, but it's a timeshare It is literally what a timeshare is. So this is why we can't buy homes. Yeah, that's why we can't buy homes. They're either doing Picasso homes. There's God, another one, there's another one that's very similar called affordable homes. And then people do an Airbnb. That's just permanently Airbnb. That's why. So
0: they're buying them and then they turn them into
1: Airbnbs. Exactly. Oh my God, dude. This is sick, man. There's little over 2,000 homes that are permitted to be an Airbnb in Austin. There are over 70,000 homes that are just under Airbnb that are unpermitted in the city of Austin.
0: Our co founder, Keon, here, he literally uh, is having absolute, he's just having a nightmare of a situation because he lives right next to an Airbnb. He's reached out to the city, they won't help him. He's told, the, he's told the owner there, but they're just like, yeah, whatever, man. And now he can't sleep because those guys are just throwing parties. They have a pool back there. And this is just a regular, small on the east side. It's a small little, you know, uh, neighborhood area. It's very, you know, friendly, but yep. here they are at Airbnb yeah. causing havoc to his daily night, you know, trying to get some sleep.
1: The guests don't care. They, they rented that home for two to three days and they're there to party. Yeah. I don't care what anybody thinks or says. That's what they're there for.
0: And they yeah. should have fun. They should they have should fun. Be. But there's hotels for that. There, we could probably segment
1: some other place, right? But it, if, like, in a neighborhood like that, it's just like. Yeah. I mean, neighborhoods should not be where you have many hotels or hostels. Yeah. It should be for community. If you want, we should have either rental properties for long-term rental. Uh, and Even if it's short-term rental, if you're going to rent out a home for a month. I'm okay with that. But none of this 48 hours, 72 hours within residential neighborhoods. If you want to buy a house on a lake and do an Airbnb on that, that's perfectly fine. You're not in a subdivision. Right. That's fine. It's not whatever. I don't care. Or if you're, you're outside city limits.
0: Or it should be a vote in the neighborhood. <laughs> like yeah, Not it like leave what, leave what it you did. Them. Knock on the door and ask every single one of
1: them. Like, what leave do you guys it, think? Yeah, leave it up to the HOA. Let people vote within yeah. their own community. Like, okay, there's... 400 homes in this neighborhood and they, they all go to the HOA and vote on it, whether they're mm-hmm. going to approve Airbnb, If they all vote for it. Then let them vote for it. Right. If they're against it, that's their neighborhood. That's their decision. Right. God, you bring,
0: this is what I like about you, Clint already. You just bring actual, like just straight, normal, everyday uh, things that work because you're a part of the community, because you're doing these things. and, and we just know this from, from, from being on the ground, like seeing this whole thing kind of play out. And and I think these people that are, you know, in this situation now, especially the, the city council that we have now, I'm not saying all of them, but you know, some of them that we've talked about already, the mayor, they just like, they're in this ivory tower, man. And they, do
1: they even talk to regular people? No. So like when I said, I've knocked on 15,000 doors and nearly everybody has told me, you're the first person that's actually ran for office that has knocked on my door in over 20 years or 15 years Whoa. or 10 years or I've been here, whatever, five years, and nobody's knocked on my door. Um, I've had someone that's lived there. They're a third generation, and nobody's ever came to their house. Wow. And they live downtown on, like 13, I think it was 13th or 12th Street that i spoke, and they're the third generation living
0: yeah. And we have a friend named Alex. He, he tries to, I think in the beginning he was trying to go to the city council and like, you know, talk to them about the issues in, in his, what he's seen. Right. And then they would cut him off or they wouldn't listen to him before. And now he's having to do some different type of tactics that are hilarious to watch. But it's, it's one of those things where like now they're actually paying attention to what he's saying because now he's actually spreading the truth. And it's like, he's showing a mirror of, of, of what, the, of what they've come, you know?
1: And I love how he does this in a parody mode because he's making fun of what they're doing and what they're thinking. He's saying it out loud. That way, people are like, they share it because they think it's hilarious. But in reality, it's he's
0: speaking the truth. Yeah, he's showing a mirror to him. Yeah, and they don't like what the mirror see. Like they don't like that mirror. Right? It. it, it, it and that's why they cut him off with time. They don't let him speak.
1: That's why they reduce the talking from three minutes to one minute. And that's why they also make. The agenda items so wide that they're like we need to cover 190 agenda items. It's like well, most of these shouldn't even be on the agenda because it's outside the scope of what the city's responsible for. So I mean, you got a lot of these propositions or policies that the city's trying to adopt that it's not even their responsibility. Their responsibility is public service, uh, public uh, public yeah public health, public uh, safety, public. Services. So that's like your roads, libraries, parks, freaking the police, first responders. Yeah. But they're doing all these other things when they should be focusing on our core infrastructure. I mean, we're losing 6.5 billion gallons of water per year. Enough, we've lost enough water in the last 10 years to fill Lake Travis 1.5 times. And now they're talking about trying to restrict our water usage. Right? Oh my God. When, when, you, dude. when you oh my God. When you these eighty ignore a problem for 10 years. You don't get to do and take people's rights away and restrict people's usage, fix the damn problem, and then create in innovative ways to for water collection. So I'm, I'm very green and environmentalist. Yeah. And I think we all are. I think we all yeah. care about the planet, right? They, like- they have this climate <laughs> equity plan for net zero carbon emissions by the city, but then our green belts are filled with hundreds of tons of trash that are getting into our water. Why are they ways. so incompetent? Like, why? Is it because they don't have experience doing it? They're they're so detached from reality. Detached like detached from reality. Is that what that is? Yeah. It has to be, they're right? Not, they're not incompetent. They're very smart people. They're very intelligent people. It is just they're detached from reality.
0: Man, we need a we need a we need uh yeah, we need new people in there like yourself. To, we just to, need
1: common sense. And yeah. I don't care if someone identifies a Democrat. A liberal it doesn't matter. Let's just take care of our if town you have moderate views yeah. and common sense, and we can all work together. But like this whole political divisiveness is like, oh, well, he's a Republican or she's a Democrat, I and mean, we got to hate each other. No, what if you guys are neighbors? Yeah, that, that's a tactic that they're using. That, that Now I look at it as a
0: tactic call people a racist, call them their this or that side, and then don't talk about the actual issues. It, it really is like, okay, so you're calling me this and you're saying I'm that because you don't want to meet in the middle and have a conversation about how to fix the problem. You don't want to fix the problem. You just want to do name calling and you never want to get to the real issue. Exactly. Like we can all agree that we care about the planet. We can all agree that we want to see each other, you know, lift each other up. We, all, we can all agree on these basic things. So if we all agree on that, let's
1: uh, let's talk about it and find yeah. the best solution forward. And at least admit your mistakes because you're not going to be right yeah. all the time. On it! own your mistakes and people will like you more. People want to keep voting for you if you admit your mistakes, but they don't, they don't admit their mistakes. Dude, I make mistakes every day. So do I.
0: I I'm, I'm the most guilty person. Like I, I, you know, I can't think of it on top of my head, but the other day I was like, you know, who took the last, you know, soda here? Like, well, you know, like, oh, you probably drank a car. Okay. Like my mistake. Like own it, right? Like you know, so you drink the last of chico It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like
1: it's not the end of life.
0: Yeah, but like maybe I was just in a real weird mood that day. But I'm owning it. Like you own your mistakes. You try to be better the next day. This is how we learn.
1: This is how you we learn move forward. From your mistakes, but if you don't yeah, admit no one's your mistakes, perfect. you're never gonna learn. Yeah, man. That's how people grow. That's that's why successful entrepreneurs are successful. They make millions of mistakes, but they. Grow from them. They admit them and they acknowledge them. If you never acknowledge your mistakes, you're never going to grow and you're never going to be successful.
0: Absolutely, dang!
1: And what a great podcast! I want to release this today.
0: <laughs> I want to release this today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. What, 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 what? Tell people about your military background because I think working with somebody, my co-founder Kyle here yeah. at Pleb Lab, for me personally, as a person that. Doesn't have military experience, but working with him, I will say this, Clinton, having somebody with a military background at a, at a leadership role has helped me immensely to how to strategically look at things, break things down, take a bird's eye view. It helps us as a company move forward. Yeah. So I want to talk about why that is, but I also want to talk about like your background too as well.
1: So in the military, we always we always like like to joke it down and joke around that we're, we're idiots, um, and so we always say we got to break it down Barney style for the people that eat crayons, and that's what we do. We literally break it down everything that we do down to where a third grader can understand it, because some people that do join the military have low testing scores and they may not be very smart because they're maybe a high school dropout got their GED, so. Um, that's why we break everything down in Barney style. So it's in the most simplest mode. So everybody can understand it because you need everybody to understand. Cause you're never going to be able to accomplish a mission. If like one or two people don't understand what's going on. Wow. Okay. And so in the military, my job was literally, I was training for route clearance. I was a combat engineer, which is a 12, 12 Bravo. And so training and vehicles to uh, scan the, uh, the roads for IEDs in the ground. So I'd be driving like two, three miles an hour down a road and then either the vehicle in front of me is going to find it with his mind detector panels or our tires are going to hit it because t- his tires up front, they're special tires to where they can, you could literally run over your foot. And this is like a two ton vehicle, run over your foot and you never feel it. That's how oh specialized God, those tires were. Um, and so if he missed it, then our vehicle would hit it. But luckily, I was always the rear vehicle um, when training because I was with my uh, platoon sergeant. But when we got overseas, they said, wow, well, we have too many route clearance. Companies out here. So we actually need you to retrain on mine detectors. And so we retrained on the mine detectors for the first 30 days. And then we got attached with the Germans up in North in Bagram. And so we were walking around with mine detectors, looking for IEDs. I carried a shovel and you worked in teams of two. And so one had the mine detector, one had the shovel. And so I was the mine detector guy. Um, and then the first IED that we detected, my partner Literally took the shovel and then stabbed the ground and missed the pressure plate by like three to four inches. What? And he would have killed us both. And I pushed him. And from that point forward, I said, Look, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die by my own own hand, by my own mistake. I was like, So you can go back there and hold security. Give me the shovel. And I mean, the shovel's a little fold up shovel. It's only about like this big, like a little, they call it.
0: So you're putting your life on the line. Every, I mean, everybody does when they go there, right? But like you were literally like, facing
1: i was the front front line so literally i'd have to clear the routes oh so the infantry god, came dude.
0: so you're literally literally facing life or death situation every, every day, day. Every day but like you're the first guy that's probably
1: oh my god dude so my my unit uh, or my squad or yeah, squad we had the most confirmed ieds found when we were in afghanistan we broke the record it was over like 450 IEDs that we found between the 12 of us, and I have personally dug up over 12. I don't know the exact count, but I just know it's a little over 12. Because um, after that, after a couple, you just phase it out. You're just like focus on surviving. And yeah. Them um, I mean, we had some great tools out there later. Later on, and when we're overseas, they gave us these giant machines when we worked on big missions. Literally, you have an Xbox controller controlling this machine that had these giant bar on it with chains on it and it just spin. And so it's tearing up the ground. So you're driving around with that. Or we had these things, we called them APOBS. And so you go in teams of two and they connect and it has a little rocket. You open up the container and it shoots out and it's a little string that has blocks of C4 on it. It's about 50 feet long and it would blow up and clear a route. Or you have this giant, a giant version of it. It's called a Miklik and it had a giant rocket. That's probably the size of me. And it would shoot like two football fields long of C4 wow. to clear long routes. And so we had a lot of, I had a lot of fun overseas, but like the first first month. <sighs> sounds like, to me, just a civilian. It
0: sounds scary as F, bro. <laughs> I'm freaking out right now. It's like a Hurt Locker
1: stuff, right? Like it's it, probably worse. I mean, when you're in it constantly, you get numb to it and you get used to it, which is sad to say that you get numb to war. And so like when I was overseas, I had grenades, on my on my uh, on my on my vest, and those things are not light. A lot of people think that they're light. Like the grenade was like five pounds. Really? So you add on all your ammo, all the, uh, the C four and the TNT that I'm having to carry around, my mine detector, and then uh, my M four. It it literally was heavy. And so like at any chance, I'd always because it sucked because the rules of engagement like to throw my grenade, I had to get approval from my lieutenant. And so whenever we get in a firefight, I look at him. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Can I pull it, can I pull it? And he's like, no. I'm like, ah, oh, it's like 10 pounds I want to get rid of. So I just want to pull both of them and throw them. Whoa,
0: wow, dude.
1: So running for city
0: council and doing this stuff is probably 10 times, oh, this- <laughs> 10 times. Because it's like, you already know how to lead. And You're, already you already stress. know stress. You know these hard situations. You you understand life and death. You understand how. You understand how to do all these things. So if for you, it's probably just like, okay, this is not taking away the gravity situation that we're dealing with here in our community, but I'm saying like, for you, it's an easier shift to, to take upon this responsibility.
1: It's, it's an easy shift. And I, I feel like between the military and then running my own company and being in the solar industry. And then, cause right now I'm knocking doors and I'm pounding the pavement. I'm doing, I'm doing the actual hard work. I'm not doing these donors for dinners. Where like I say, oh, come come to this dinner and buy a plate for $100 dollars and come listen to me, speak. I, I, I'm not a public speaker. I don't want I, that's my biggest fear. Like I'd rather go back over to Afghanistan and dig up IEDs and speak in front of a thousand people. Like That petrifies me to do public speaking. Like most people, the people rather die than speak in front of a large crowd, which is a crazy thing to think that That's biggest fear for most people is public speaking. Uh, which I've been getting better at because I've been doing yeah, it I feel like you're doing a great job. This, this is just like one-on-one. <laughs> I don't have like a large crowd of looking at me like eyeballs. Like, what is he yeah. going to say next? How is he going to mess up? Um, but yeah, I feel like I've kind of prepared myself for this with being able to actually pound the pavement. I've gone door-to-door selling solar, connecting with people. Because solar sells itself, and I've always approached myself as not like a high-pressure salesman. I'm like, I'm just going to educate you. You're either yeah. going to buy it or you're not. If yeah. not, then I go to the next door
0: and that's yeah. perfectly
1: fine with me. I, I can, between my disability plus the solar plus roofing plus landscaping, I have enough residuals coming into where I don't need to survive right. on making or convincing someone to buy something from me. Right. Um, and that's how I'm approaching it with um, politics. It's like, look, I don't want your vote. If I'm not the right candidate for you, this is what I'm about. If you, if you think that's not for you, that's perfectly fine. But, if you don't vote for something different, this is where Austin's going, and I'm not going to stay here for that because I've already gone through it, yeah. and I don't want to put my family through it, and I don't want my kids to one day say, well, "Daddy, you you stood up and you were willing to fight for this country, but you weren't willing to fight for the city of Austin." And I may be here only five years, but this is—I want this to be my forever yeah. home.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of people just like you that have come from other places that, that you know are coming to Texas and they want to make. They want to plant roots here. And you can't plant roots if everything is the way it is, unfortunately.
1: and I don't want to be a career politician. I want to be one and done. I want to do four, four years. I don't want to run for re-election. I want to be able to say, I did my job. I was able to make some minor changes that course correct the direction that this ship is going. That way, we're not going to hit an iceberg and become Chicago or become San Francisco. Right. Um, and then I can back someone that's a good quality candidate for the job next. Gosh, dude. Yeah, I, I, think,
0: I think, I think what we have now is like everybody's trying to solve money, and we're seeing it too. Just like everybody's trying to solve uh, issues with money, and they're throwing money at the problem. But in reality, like it doesn't take any money. It just takes common sense to fix a lot of these problems, and it, it takes actually people meeting and meeting of the minds and figuring it out. And if, if you can't solve, if you can't solve the problem without money,
1: money's not going to change
0: that. It's just going to exacerbate the already. Tense situation that you have brought upon yourself.
1: Talk, talking about that, I mean, the common sense portion is like we we know the homeless problem was bad, but you have the city council and the mayor saying how great they're doing. And so, me and this other gentleman named Jamie Hammonds, we actually took it upon ourselves to go in through all the homeless encampments in the, in the green belts. And so, for like five six weeks, I was going through documenting everything, walking through like shin high deep trash, propane blown up propane tanks, burn sites everywhere, just documenting everything got in the national news, got in the local news, exposed the hypocrisy of city council and the mayor, and literally Austin Public Health is reaching out to me, not them, reaching out to me saying, hey, where are these homeless encampments? Or who who do you recommend to fill these job positions? Um, And so I've given the recommendations on who, who I believe would be good fits because they've actually done the work versus hiring these nonprofits to do these jobs that are just leeching off the industrial complex for the homeless. Right.
0: And that's kind of what I'm seeing too on the ground as well too. It's, it's a lot of that in Austin. Unfortunately, it's been that way for a long time. I'm I'm glad and seeing it. And this is kind of your proof of work. You've already done that. You know, you're already doing that because you're a local Austinite and you believe in what you, you you believe in fundamental change at the ground level. And you're already doing it. You're already providing service to the city. No one's talking about it. No one's seeing about it. I mean, we hope this gets out there to the masses and people start recognizing the goodwill that you're already providing the city just by being you, by being Clinton um. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, man. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. Check out ClintonRary.com. We'll put everything in the show notes. Um, gosh, man. I, I, I think my hope is, is I, I hope I hope us as Bitcoiners in this Bitcoin community, especially in Austin, can rally around somebody behind you. And, um, you know, hopefully we can see. Because I think a lot of the things that, that you talk about, Bitcoiners talk about amongst ourselves, there's a lot of crossover there. Um, a lot of the fundamental things and I think it starts with just a common sense approach to doing things.